Well, welcome, everyone. Uh, as Ken mentioned, uh, we're proud to have you here, thankful to have you here. Uh, I've seen a lot of new faces here this morning, and I uh, have three grandsons that uh, are, are Christians as well, but they live in Nashville, but they're here with us this week, so we're really proud to have them here as well. They're, they're good guys. When they're sleeping, they don't bother anybody. It's a, <laughs> so. Um, I've been associated with this congregation for over 46 years and been attending here uh, as a member here for the last 11 years. And uh, in spite of the fact that I'm here, this is a great church. This is a great church. And not a perfect church because there's people. We're, you know, none of us are perfect. But, and I'm saying this for you who are visiting with us. We want you to be a part of this church. We want you to be blessed as well. I'm just, the longer I'm here, the more in love I am with this, with everyone, and just so uh, impressed by everyone's hearts and desire to do what's right, to, to, to follow God. And so, um, if we can be of any encouragement to you, just let us know. We're, we're thankful and want you to come back. Okay, um, I want to do two things this morning. The first thing is I want to share with you a little bit about uh, our mission trip that we took last month. Uh, to Portugal and to Brazil. And then after we talk, and I'll show you some pictures about that, uh, then I want to share uh, a message of encouragement from God's Word with you, okay? So, first of all, I want you to understand that it is biblical to gather the church together to share all that God is doing through mission work. Uh, Ken just briefly told us, they just got back yesterday, or Friday I guess it was, but probably physically they're still there, <laughs> not back yet, but but uh, the Bible in Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas, when they came back from their first missionary journey, they gathered the church together there at Antioch where they had been sent out from and told them all that God had been doing through them. And so uh, I just want to share some things uh, with you that God has been doing, not just through Becky and me, but through this congregation. You've been so gracious to, su to support us and, and just to pray for us. And so... Uh, here are a few things that happened this past month. First of all, we left to go to Portugal on August 28th and stayed till September 6th. Lisbon, Portugal is the capital there. A country is about 10 million people. And uh, I was invited by this young man. I baptized him. Actually, I baptized his family even earlier in 1983, but uh, I baptized this young man in 1990, and he grew up a faithful member of the church. And then in 2009, I performed his wedding, uh, Ademan Poliani, and uh, then his company transferred him to Portugal, and there he began meeting with the church, but saw how much the church was, was struggling, and so he wanted us to come and help, and so we went that week. We spent Saturday there with the men of the congregation there and had studies about leadership and uh, relationships, and it was just a really good time with them. Then I taught Bible class on Sunday, there you can see just a lot of good people that what's interesting there in portugal uh, is that well at this congregation there were seven different nations represented uh it's because of the european union people come in and out and so there's a lot of different nations represented there but uh we had great worship service there and uh so we need to pray for them uh, here's some of the members of the church that we spent time with there and then, of course, uh, Ademar and Poliani and their two children there. Uh, and I felt like uh, we were able to help them and left them in a better shape than when we went. 
Then in September 7th, which is Brazil's Independence Day, it's their 4th of July, we flew straight flight from Lisbon, Portugal, into Belo Horizonte, nine and a half hour flight. And uh, we arrived there. And uh, the neat thing about this trip is that Brad Harib uh, met us there. And uh, basically, I didn't have to think. I just translated. <laughs> Usually I have to come up with all the lessons and teach and everything. So I just uh, followed him along and whatever he said, I said. Once in a while he would say some medical terms and I look at him and I say, well, I don't even know what that is in English. How can I translate that? You know, but uh, the Brazilians just loved him, all the classes on Christian evidences. Uh, the very first day when he got there, we went to the children's home. There were some of the uh, workers there at the children's home. The man on the left's name is Moses, Moises, and uh, the girl on the right is Antonia, and she is an Indian girl that was uh, raised by some non-Indian people in the capital city there, and so she learned to speak Portuguese, but she was an orphan, and uh, so uh, she works there at the children's home and loves those kids as well as, uh, here's a, we're not supposed to take pictures of the kids, so I'm just doing this real fast, and there's 24 children there right now, between the ages of zero and uh, seven years old, but uh, some of the ladies there that work there, and uh, I also did a wedding, uh, this is Diogo and Raquel, and uh, I helped their parents become Christians years ago. It's really great to see families growing up and Christians marrying Christians and just uh, a blessing to be there. They asked me, and that was one reason we, we planned the date of this trip to, to be able to do that wedding. And uh, you can't tell in this picture, but he, he's probably about the tallest Brazilian I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I knew their parents, both their parents before they were uh, even married and now they're getting married as the children. Just, what a blessing there. So, uh, also, th obviously, this wasn't planned, but I conducted a funeral for Maria Teresa de Oliveira Cansado, who was aunt to the Brazilian family that I lived with when I was an exchange student in Brazil in 1971. And just the most lovely person in the world. Well, she passed away. And in Brazil, you don't embalm bodies, so you have to do the funeral and burial service within 24 hours. And so, there on the right, you see a casket sitting on that wooden pedestal there. And the idea there, families have a burial plot, and so they bury on top of one another, but the idea is to let the bodies decay quickly so that in case someone else dies, they can be buried at that spot. But uh, I was able to be with all the family and, and uh, preach the gospel for, during her sermon, or during that funeral service there. Uh, on a Sunday at church, or Saturday, uh, actually, when I was doing the wedding, uh, Brad was doing a seminar at the downtown church building. This is on Sunday. Uh, Alex Giraud translated for him on Saturday, but on Sunday then uh, for the Bible class, the auditorium Bible class and the worship, then there is uh, Brad's teaching on Christian evidences there, um, and then I'm translating for him. And uh, then every morning we would go to another city uh, about an hour outside of Belo Horizonte to one of the churches there that has a leadership training school, and uh, they meet for three hours in the morning, and so Brad taught, and I translated there, and, and, and then it's also online, so students from other parts of the country can watch and participate as well. And here's a picture of the students gathered there to uh, 
we got a group picture there. And then uh, in the evening, we would participate in home Bible study groups. And this was one uh, where Alex Dorodo uh, participates in. This was at his father-in-law's house there. His father-in-law's there on the left there, and his mother-in-law there, a couple on the left. His mother-in-law's a Christian. His father-in-law has always been very resistant. But he's agreed to study with uh, Brad Harab. So they're, they're studying over, over the computer and the Zoom there. So. And another a family. Uh, of Christians and meeting there with some of their children, their children's boyfriend and girlfriend, and uh, and and Brad is also. They all they all practically all of them speak English, so uh, he's studying with them as well. So. And then we would meet with preachers and leaders from other congregations uh, to encourage them. Giovanni Ventuil and his wife Marisa performed their wedding at Casio. I did his wedding as well and. Uh, now, uh, we also were able to uh, record some programs for World Christian Broadcasting. Uh, obviously, when they go out over shortwave, they're all only audio, but they're also put on the internet so people can, can watch these as well. And so uh, I translated for Brad, and we did, recorded five programs. And we made a lot of house visits as well. This is Ademar Araujo, and uh, if you read the bulletin uh, this week, no, last week I believe it was, uh, when the article that uh, Brad wrote about this couple here and about his story, if you haven't read it, you, you want to read that. Uh, another family that we visited as well. And then there's Alex Dorodo, as uh, our Brazilian missionary that the Highland Heights, we support him and his wife Anna and his three little girls there at their house. Okay, and besides uh, going twice a year to Brazil on mission trips, I teach uh, Bible classes over uh, Zoom. It's over the computer. August 19th, I taught, I had a meeting with all elders in Brazil on a Zoom class, and I'm going to teach again on November 11th. We meet once a quarter uh, for that. And then uh, during the year, I teach courses at two different leadership training schools in Brazil as well over Zoom. So uh, I'm able be able to have a lot of contact with the church there in Brazil. Okay, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Appreciate all the support you, you bless us with and your prayers. And uh, continue to pray for the church there in Brazil. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to start reading at verse 12. And I want us to concentrate on this passage here. Uh, Paul, when he writes the book of Philippians, he's in prison. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in prison. I hope not. But if you have, you know how tough that can be. And if you work, done any prison ministry, I have done prison ministry in Brazil. And it's, it's, it's rough. And back in these days, I'm sure it was a lot worse than we can imagine. But Paul's writing there, and, and of all things, probably the theme, if we had to use one word to describe the book of Philippians, would be joy. How could you be joyful when you're in that situation? And he's not there because he deserved to be there. He's there because of his faith in Jesus. But he's writing, and he, he's, he's concerned about the church in Philippi. And so in verse 12, Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved... He cares for them. He calls them beloved, the ones that he loves. 
as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. They were, they were obedient and faithful to God when Paul was there, but he's saying they're even, they're even better now. And that's, and that's good news. You know, parents, uh, sometimes when your, your children get older and, and they're old enough to not kill each other, you might leave and when you come back and you find that everything's good, everything's peaceful, and no fights, no major uh, problems. It makes parents happy to see their children get along. I think it's one of the greatest joys that we have to see your children get along or one of the most frustrating things are when your children don't get along. And so Paul's saying, hey, you, you're doing great. You're doing great. And then he says something that's it's a little odd. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, at first uh, glance, you might think that he's telling, you know, you've got to work really hard so you can be saved. And, uh, but if you know anything about the Bible, you know that's not what he's saying. He's saying, live out your salvation. Live a life now that, that shows the world that you're saved, that Jesus has washed your sins, that you, you belong to the kingdom of God. So he says, uh, work out or, or live out uh, your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, fear, you think, well, Christians shouldn't be afraid. Well, and, and that's the command that, that's most found in the Bible. Some people have counted and say there are 365 times in the Bible where it says, do not fear, do not be afraid. But this fear here is, is a holy reverence of God. God is, is our Father. We love Him we have an intimate relationship with our Father, but it's got to be very respectful at the same time. And so we live out our salvation with fear and trembling. In verse 13, the Bible says, For it is God who works in you. Two things, he says. First of all, he says that God works in us both to will and to work for His good pleasure or His good purpose. So it's not natural to be a Christian. It's against our carnal nature because uh, Jesus said if somebody strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek or forgive those that, that are not deserving of forgiveness or, or say no to, to my will and, and, and follow what God wants. That's not natural. We're carnal. We're, we're in this flesh for right now and unfortunately that's our situation. But as we study God's Word, as we have relationship with other Christians, as we hear the Word of God preached, faith grows in us. And as we practice His will, uh, we get stronger spiritually. And so God is working in us not only to do what we want to do that's right, that's God wants of us, but He helps us to want to do what's good and what's right. Because we might do what's right, but I don't want to. Okay, I'll forgive you, but I really don't want to. I'll turn the other cheek, but I don't want to. So... The Bible says that God is working in us both to will and to do His good pleasure or His purpose. Now verse 14 says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. That's tough. <laughs> all things? You know, uh, Keith talked to me the other day about... Uh, uh, gossiping, how bad that is. <laughs> and, th and, and that is bad. But I think it's a lot harder to not grumble, complain, criticize, 
than it is not to gossip. I don't know, maybe you gossip, you criticize other people and that's gossiping, but he says to do all things without grumbling or disputing. You know, I, I'm sure you struggle with it, because I sure do. You know, you see something that's not right, or you see something that could be done better, it's like, well, here comes the criticism. And, and, and think, if you, if you lived your life in your home with your wife or your, your husband, and you're always complaining, you're always criticizing, you're always grumbling, well, how do you think your marriage will be? <laughs> it won't take very long for it not to be very pleasant around your house. Well, he's talking to the church and he's saying, look, when we live out our salvation, when we realize that we're saved in Christ, we're going to stop complaining. We're going to stop grumbling and criticizing. We're going to look at people through the eyes of Jesus. And he says in verse 15, the purpose of all this is that we may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Okay? People are going to say, hey, you're different. You're not always talking bad about the boss. You're not always putting down your wife. You're not always causing trouble at your church. You're living out your salvation. You're living as one who's been washed by the blood of Jesus. And, and he says here that we'll live in a special way in, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Now, sometimes I think that we're probably in the worst generation possible, but I think it, all generations have always been bad. Maybe it's easier to see it now because we have social media and television and cable TV and internet, and so we can see all the evil around us. You know, it's, it's almost two years, I, th I believe coming up maybe in February, it'll be two years that Russia invaded the Ukraine. And that's still going on. Those people are still suffering. You wouldn't have wanted to live in the Ukraine even before that, that invasion. Life is tough there. After the invasion there, I can't imagine. And now the, 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 the Palestinians from Gaza invade uh, in Israel and slaughter people and murder people and now it's they're going to get payback and and now countless thousands will be suffering because of that for years for sin people will die that's the kind of world we live in and and those are just the, the glaring twisted and evil that this we see above but there's so much more just kind of hidden all around us and in our society and so God's saying when you live such a way that you're showing the world that you're saved, you're different. We've got good news to tell people. We can't keep people from suffering, but we can help people in their suffering. And we can live in such a way that we have hope of heaven. We realize that no matter how bad things are in this life, as was read, uh, as Rick read in our, in our scripture reading this morning, Jesus is talking about heaven, and John writes about in heaven, God will wipe away all tears and there'll be no mourning, there'll be no more death. And so as Christians, we have good news to share with other people. But if we're always grumbling and complaining, we're not going to have elders that want to lead churches. Why would I want to do that? They're just going to criticize me, put me down, give me stress. Why would I want to become a minister or a missionary? Because nobody likes anything and everything you do, someone will criticize. So we need to be different. We need to 
obey God. We need to, as he says here, if we do that, we will shine as lights in the world, verse 15. Shine as, so don't get discouraged how bad, how bad the world is right now because the darker it gets out there, the brighter we can shine for Jesus. Verse 16. Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the, upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul's writing about God's purpose, God's plan for our lives. But the reality is not everybody knows uh, that God has a purpose for us. In 1 Thessalonians, the Bible says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. That's part of our living out our salvation. We're going to love on people. We're going to be helping people that need help, and, and, and we're going to be patient with everybody. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. When you love somebody, you don't see their, all their defects. You see all their potential. You see all uh, the, the image of God in that person. Hebrews chapter 13 says, Obey your leaders, talking about our elders, and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So as we live out our, 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 our salvation, we're going to be different. We're not going to be backbiting, criticizing, uh, gossiping, but we're going to be supporting our elders. We're going to be living in such a way that they'll enjoy the work that God has given them. So Paul's remind, writing to remind us of our purpose in life. I don't know if you've seen, uh, heard about these two boys here, but one boy said to his friend, how come you all don't pray before you eat? And his friend said, we don't have to because my mama's a good cook. <laughs> well, obviously, this boy doesn't understand the purpose of prayer. Prayer is to thank God for what we're about to eat, not to ask for protection from what we're about to eat, okay? But a lot of people don't uh, have a clue, or at least they get so busy that they kind of forget what the purpose of our life is. What we're here for, it's to serve God, to put Jesus first, to glorify God in all we do. Or worse yet, some never really learn what in the world we're here for. And that's sad. And people are trying for all, all different things, trying to identify uh, with something, maybe some kind of movement, some kind of political party, some kind of uh, some, some theme or something to fulfill your life with, when in reality, we should be living our lives for God. I want to close now with four Bible passages here that teach us about our purpose in life. The first one is from 2 Timothy, and he says, He saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So God has, His purpose is that we live a holy life. Another passage, Romans chapter 8, Paul writes, and we know that for those who love God, 
all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now that doesn't mean that if you're a Christian, everything, nothing bad will happen. What it means is even among bad things, you'll find something good out of it. You can find a blessing out of it. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, the third uh, passage I want to share with you before we close, is from chapter 2, beginning of verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're not saved because of good works, but because we're saved, we do good works. And then last of all, Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes, after examining everything possible this world has to offer, he says, the end of the, of the matter, all has been heard, Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So I hope you can uh, think more seriously about your purpose in life. Don't get so busy that you forget that, or, or if you never knew that, I hope you can concentrate and, 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 and make that a goal of your life, is serving Jesus, putting the kingdom of God first. We're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement. If you need prayer, we ask you to come forward. If you're not a Christian, come forward. Or you can text if sometimes people don't feel comfortable coming forward. I don't want to go in front of all those people. Then text me. I, I had the, the phone number up there, but uh, we'll put that up after services there again, or you can come and ask me. And uh, you can text me, and certainly I'll pray for you. If you want uh, an email to go out to all the congregation, we can do that as well, and they can pray for you. So let's stand and sing.